Hello, friends, and welcome to my podcast, Coffee and Books. If you're new, welcome. Of course, uh, this is my podcast brought to you by me, Scott, the reader of books. Uh, Today, we have a new exciting book I want to review for all of you. It is called Pompeii by Robert Harris. Uh, So it was initially published in 2003, so it is now 17 years old. Um, It's a historical fiction book, meaning it is not entirely accurate. It follows along the course of real events, the eruption of Vesuvius near Pompeii, which happened in 79 Common Era. Uh, So the destruction of Pompeii and Vesuvius is located in Italy. It is south of Rome. I've been there myself. I got to witness and see firsthand the destruction, which was pretty cool. Um, it's a modern tourist hotspot in Italy. Uh, lots of people go there, but Pompeii, of course, isn't the only town that was destroyed by Vesuvius, uh, also well known as Herculaneum. Uh, but anyway, I just want to go off and say that uh, it was destroyed and under a cloud of ash and smoke, which we'll get to in a second. But why don't we start with the most common facts, which is, as I said, Destroyed in 79 CE, it was buried under 13 to 20 feet of volcanic ash. Um, it was settled initially between the 6th and 7th century BCE. Um, it's a designated UNESCO World Heritage Site, um, which was initially uh, designated in 1997. It offers a snapshot of Roman life that's frozen in time because of the way everything was preserved under the ash. And uh, like the other parts of the empire, it contained public buildings like baths, uh, private houses, um, lavish decorations, works of art, statues, and brothels. Um, It receives about 2.5 million visitors annually. Um, They're still finding pieces of the city that's been unexplored. So every now and then, of course, the joke is in Italy, is if you dig a little bit, you might find something. Like when I was there two years ago, uh, there was literally construction on a subway, and they had to keep stopping the construction on the subway because they keep finding stuff that's buried under the city. You know, when you have a place like Rome that's been there for so long, or in this case, Pompeii, they keep finding stuff. So, initially, I just want to say, before we get into the fictional side, we have first-hand accounts from plenty of the younger and plenty of the elder who are authors who wrote about the frequent earthquakes that were found in the region and uh, former volcanic eruptions that were probably the cause of this. Um, So initially, you should also know that in 62 Common Era, there was a massive earthquake that destroyed most of Pompeii before the volcanic eruption. It weighed about 5 to 6 on the Richter scale. Um, This was during the same time period as uh, right after Nero, so it was uh, uh, Titus that was the emperor after his father Vespasian died. Don't know if I'm saying that right, but Titus was the emperor and had actually created a relief fund to help relieve the victims of this volcanic eruption. Um, at the time, Pompeii was used as a port by the famous road, the Appian Way, to bring supplies directly to Rome. Uh, it had a population of about 20,000 in 79 you know, CE, and the entire eruption lasted two days. Um, only about 1,150 bodies have been found. Uh, hopefully meaning most of the people actually were able to escape. 
so Pliny the Elder actually provided firsthand accounts with his uh, younger nephew, Pliny the Younger. Uh, but Pliny the Elder actually died trying to save people in the eruption with a fleet of you know, Roman boats and um, they, while they were trying to rescue stranded citizens. But it's commonly believed that Pliny the Elder was rescuing a friend of his that had a massive public library. Uh, so it's also potentially possible that he was not just rescuing citizens, but he was trying to save as much of the town as possible as well. And, uh, okay, so continuing forward. Uh, soon after the burial, survivors and thieves uh, came to salvage anything that was valuable. And basically the town was forgotten to time and lost to history for thousands of years. It was in about 1592 that it was discovered by uh, Domenico Fontana. Herculaneum wasn't even discovered the town nearby until 1738. And so, like I said, all of this is based on the facts that we have so far from the story. And now, like I said, this is a work of fiction. So now we're going to talk about the actual book and where that comes into play with all this. So the story actually follows an Aquarius who is the keeper of the main aqueducts in this town. Um, his name is Marcus Atilius. And the main story follows him as he finds a, a recent relocation to the Pompeii region. He discovers that many of the towns nearby are drying up from a lack of water supply upon his arrival. And he decides to get a crackpot team of uh, former gladiators, slaves, and even some friends to go and try to repair the damage that is being done and trying to unclog whatever is causing the destruction of the aqueduct. Okay, without revealing too many spoilers, I will just say that the, and me personally, I found the story sort of unbelievable. Um, the story has everything that would be common in a, a Roman, you know, time period. Uh, a lot of corruption and drama, followed by a main love story, followed by uh, anything else that you could impossibly imagine. You know, the references to the religions that were prevalent in Rome are popular in the story, and I think the writer takes a lot of liberties with assigning uh, what actually is believed to have happened. But the most important point that I want to say is that I believe that the main character, Marcus Atilius, is sort of unbelievable. Uh, during the story, he meets a woman twice and falls in love with her and decides that he's going to rescue her during this eruption in Pompeii, which I find really unbelievable. Even if it's his job to save Pompeii and the town and warn everyone, you would think that his first immediate reaction, instead of trying to save one person's life, would be to try to ring the alarm bells for everything that is going on. And instead, his focus of his life becomes, in the last few moments that we know of before the eruption and during the eruption, you see him trying desperately to save this woman that he has fallen madly in love with. But again, his motivations are not quite, I think, correct. Um, like I said, because of the whole destruction of the town going on. Uh, but of course, you're led to many mysteries. Of, we're not quite sure what happens, and we're not quite sure what his entire motivations were. So for you to get your own opinion, I highly recommend checking out and reading this book. But I also want to go into... Uh, let's see what else we can talk about with it. Uh, so I'd give the book about a 3 out of 5 stars and say that it met my expectations as a, a good book that you would find 
uh, about historical fiction in Rome and is as good as any other you would get, but it's not, I would say, above average. It would be something that you would spend reading once and probably never pick it up again. But if you like historical fiction like me, you'd probably enjoy it, which I did for what it was worth. Uh, but having said that, I don't think it's going to set the world on fire and be a best-selling novel forever. Okay, so the next book I'm going to read is called Meditations of Marcus Aurelius. It's the practical guide for living in an irrational world, and it was translated by George Long. So that's my next book, which is going to be really short. It's only about 120 pages long, and basically is a, a real account of a Roman emperor's time in which he creates practical meditations. But I wanted to, again, talk to you about my love for the Roman Empire and history of Italy, as I felt like that this was an appropriate time, you know, missing travel and thinking back to two years ago when me and my fiancé had went to Italy. So that's all for today. If you enjoyed this book and learning more about it, please check it out. And if you guys have any questions, don't be afraid to share and like this podcast and share it with others. Remember, you can also find me on my YouTube channel, which is now titled Coffee and Books. Uh, so you can do, look for Coffee and Books, oh yeah, on YouTube and find me. Um, you can also uh, share, like I said, and rate this podcast for people on Apple or Spotify for them to find. Uh, the more people that listen to this, the better. Anyway, thanks again for listening, and if you have any questions, please reach out to me at my email, which is scott, S-C-O-T-T, -T, Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N, 16 at yahoo.com. Thanks again.